to the podcast at moresportsnow.com, covering both sides of the Hudson. I'm Steve Titchener here with Matt Lachlan. It's show number two, early in 2019, and on the line, we welcome back to the show from NJ Advanced Media, Steve Politti. Steve, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Hey, Happy New Year, my friend. Yeah, same to you. Same to you. Well, you know where I'm going to go, Steve? The debacle in West Lafayette last night. I mean, just... Wasn't even close. I mean, just totally blown out in the second half. Now, I knew they weren't going to win these games. I knew they weren't going to beat Minnesota. I knew they weren't going to beat Purdue. But it felt like the Eddie Jordan days uh, last Ouch. night. Yeah, Ouch. I mean, Ouch. look, it, look, it was brutal. Come on, you tell me. I mean, that second <laughs> half was absolutely uh, brutal. And the thing that said, you know, that's tough about this is, I mean, the Big Ten is just a – it's a tough league, and I mean, all the players for Purdue and all of them, I mean, like 6'6 six, six plus, and they can all hit from any part of the floor. And then, you know, right, put it, put right. in Carson Edwards, a, you know, a, a, a dominant point guard, and, and you just got, I mean, Purdue is good, but you would hope that they could stay closer. Um, were you surprised with last night? Uh, I'm a little surprised, yeah, and, it, and it's just what you said there. It, it just felt very non-competitive, especially defensively. They were really good, even on the road defensively in, in Steve Peichel's first two years. So I think that's what caught me off guard with the number of layups, the number of wide-open three-pointers. It just seems like they've taken a step back uh, on that side of the ball. You know, I, I don't expect them to win games like this at this point, but you're right. I mean, you, you want to see a team that's going to be more competitive. And I, I think, you know, they had that nice win against Ohio State at home. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, all right, maybe you know this is a, that would be a building block but these last two games have you know given up 80 points and losing by a combined 50 something points is not uh, it's not yeah good. and listen if Omarui's in they lose by 30 instead of 35 I mean I, yes he would have given him something on the defensive end and the offensive end and he's, he's got some leadership on the court which they they are lacking right now but right, still it right, wouldn't have made right. that much of a difference it really wouldn't have it absolutely it wouldn't have made them bigger difference. I think what they just need they need another guard who can handle the ball mm-hmm. and they've got one coming in and this Paul Mulcahy who's the one player signed and uh, the class. He's a top ten recruit from New Jersey, so he, you know they expect him to come in and play right away. You know, I think what you're seeing now is when you've got Geo Baker, who's just not a point guard, bringing mm-hmm. the ball up the court. Uh, it affects everything, and I think it's it's kind of hurt his play. So he's not having the same kind of season that he did last year. Uh, and they have a lot of young guys, I and mean, they're just using a lot of guys who are who are just you know starting getting their feet wet in in college basketball, and certainly showed last night. I agree wholeheartedly with you about the point guard position. And Mulcahy will help. The only thing that Steve and I were discussing before uh, we got going with you is that Mulcahy certainly is a big get for Steve Peichel. It's a Jersey kid that's staying home and plays that position and plays it very well. I'm just hoping that the fans don't get so excited. This is not a five-star recruit. He's very good. And he's going into the Big Ten. So there, there are going to be some bumps along the way. The learning curve is going to be there. They will be better because of him, but that doesn't mean it's going to be a very easy transition. So temper the enthusiasm a little bit, but that's next year. they got to worry about right. this year. We had uh, John Fanta of Fox Sports 1 on last week, Stephen, and he was saying that he was a little disappointed on the Rutgers side. He thought that Steve Peichel at this point would show a little bit more. I thought that was a little harsh, and maybe there was a little Seton Hall blue coming through in his comment. <laughs> John's a Seton Hall guy. But at any rate, and the rivalry never ends. But at any rate, uh, I, I, I'm wondering if at this point, 
what this year means, in your opinion, to what Peichel has been building at Rutgers. Nice win at home. The crowds are coming back. You mentioned the Ohio State win. But then you look at the Fordham loss and getting bombed last night. You know, what, what's going on in your mind with Peichel and his program at this point? Yeah, you know, I think it's, 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 I agree actually with John that I would have expected to see a little bit more. The Fordham loss was, you know, was that was a dis- disappointment. Um, you know, this team looks like it, it's, ha- it's headed for like a 2 6, 2 and 16, 3 and 15 kind of record in the Big Ten. I, you know, I thought maybe this is a year they could, you know, they could break, break, you know, get that up to six wins in the conference. And this is really clearly not going to happen. Um, so really it comes back, you know, obviously he's not going anywhere. That, that's, that's certainly clear. Uh, he's got a contract through, I think, 2023. So it's, for, it, it's about developing players now. It's about, you know, getting that young play, the, the, the young guys you see out there to the point where, Next year, they're just one step better. And, and I, I think that's why I like Steve Peichel's approach. I mean, you got to remember, Rutgers has had, they've had big time recruits come in. They've had Rosario. They've had, you know, they've had guys coming in, Dante Jones, coming in last two years and, and leave town because they were, didn't put the supporting cast around them. You know, Steve's trying it a different way. He's trying to bring in under recruited guys and develop them. So by their fourth year, you know, they are good. Big Ten players, and that, that we've got to see that happen now. So that's going to take a little longer to, you know, to materialize. So what you want to see now, as out of these guys, are they getting better from now to the end of the season? And that, I think that's really what the only thing that you're, you know, left for for uh, for this team right now. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, he's done a good job. There's no reason for him to worry at all about his tenure and the contract speaks for itself. Uh, you know, I it's different time, different era, different circumstances. But I I use what he's doing or trying to do and compare it a bit to P.J. Carlissimo, and I know some of our listeners are going to go, P.J. Carlissimo? What, what, you know, Google. Yeah, I hate to say it. It was that long ago. <laughs> Only the guy who resurrected Seton Hall. Well, exactly. But if you look, the first several years as he was trying to get Seton Hall off the ground in the Big East, and that was when the Big East was the Big East. Mm-hmm. Um, right. There right. were a lot of problems. I mean, they couldn't win games, and there was a – there was a groundswell that said, hey, ho, PJ must go. And I'm not going to lie, I had my doubts. But eventually, mm-hmm. he found his footing. It's not easy uh, to no. take a program that's really had nothing to offer and put them into a big-time conference like the Big Ten with all those powers. Oof. It's tough. Yeah, and the Big Ten is, I mean, you know, you can make an argument that the Big Ten is better than the Big East was back then. Eternally deeper. I mean, there's just no, you know, Northwestern is coming to town on Friday. I guess that's the one game you say, all right, well, this is, you know, that that's that's one that Rutgers could win. But I mean, there's no there's no rest, there's no let up in that conference basketball wise. It's even tougher than it is football in a lot of ways. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 yeah, I think the task is difficult. He's got to get lucky on a kid. Like Rutgers has not gotten just brought in a kid. They, oh wait, you know why? He's going to be much better than we thought. You know, <laughs> he's like going to get lucky on a kid, and then he's just got to get a kid. He's got to find some four star to buy in and believe in him. You know, he's got to get some guy who, you know, has an option, who has a chance to go to Maryland or has a chance to go to, you know, a, a bigger program. I'm not saying you got to be Duke and you don't have to be Carolina and Kentucky, but you've got to, you know, you eventually got to win some of these recruiting battles. I mean, they lost a kid to Georgia Tech who would have made a difference last night you know guys like that you, you you've got to find a way to win those recruiting battles and you know he, he still he still really hasn't done that well steve i i like uh like matt and yourself i, I believe that uh steve peichel's the guy for the job and i'm and i'm happy with what's been happening so far i mean you know about last night was a rough one um but it you know the second half of uh of last night's game 
you know, wasn't indicative of what the Pikes brought to Rutgers, you know, a tough-minded defensive team. Was there a way to slow down Purdue in the second half, or is it just one of those games that just got away from them? Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think certainly there, there had, to, had to be better effort than that. This was this was a game where it wasn't just, you know, out talented. They were just they were out effort too, and that's that's a problem. So that that was that was discouraging. You know, I, I think uh, the same Minnesota too. Another game where they just really weren't sound defensively, uh, and that's good. I mean, that's they'd lost a couple of really good players. I, you know, I mean, you can remember uh, this team was, you know, even, even Freeman last year was sort of a glue defensive rebounding guy. Uh, so they're going to have to, he's going to have to find that identity again. I think that's that's a big problem. That I saw it there. Yeah, that, that game, you know, that was always going to be an L, but a 35 point loss. You know, mm-hmm. the way they played defensively, that that's rough. Yeah, that's the one thing. He's always hung his hat on on being right. stout defensively right. and being hard to play against, and he'll have to find that. That's not easy. Once it slips a little bit in a particular period of time, whether it's shorter term or longer term, like most of the rest of this year, remains to be seen. But that's where you got to really fight. You got to it's 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 a struggle. But I do like the fact the crowds are coming, the kids yeah. are coming back, the fans well, are coming back, the building is alive. And then you know, oh, moving if this thing ever gets going. They're gonna. I mean, if this thing ever we were talking about today. I mean, if this thing ever gets to the point where they're even on the NCAA tournament bubble, it's going to be a huge story. I mean, you're going to be – those kids are going to be camping out for their tickets. It's going to be really exciting. They just got to get there. Oh, listen, they'll, they'll come out. I was at the Ohio, Ohio State game, and uh, it was a fantastic night, a lot of fun. And, look, they got Northwestern this Friday, a very winnable game. What do you see there, Steve? Yeah, no, I think I agree. But, you know, obviously, you know, the rack is an enormous difference maker. I was talking to Jerry Carino, obviously, who covers, you know, college basketball better than anybody in New Jersey. We were talking about that win over Ohio State. It really was, you know, the rack won that game. I mean, people forget mm-hmm. just what an atmosphere. It's just a different. Yeah. complete game changer for Rutgers when they they haven't they haven't fooled they have a team coming in you know they they you know not expecting what they're going to find there so yeah I mean I think that's you know that's a game that certainly if you look at the schedule one of the few left that you could circle and say all right Rutgers you know got to get this one let's see them get this one so uh, after two bad performances on the road you know I expect them to bounce back and play better uh, and you know you can say they should win we'll see if they will win but you know it, it's certainly one of the few left that you would say that they have a very good chance to win yeah and on that note, I was behind the Rutgers bench for the Ohio, Ohio State game, and that last possession by Ohio State, uh, the, the, pl- the place was shaking, and there was no way. I mean, they clanged it off the front of the rim, and I'll tell you, the guy that had to hit that three, boy, that was, he had to be ice, and it just didn't happen. It was a, it was right. a really, it was really forget, nice one. I mean, really, and it's, it's, it's great that that's come back, because mm-hmm. that was, there was a time there, and I remember I wrote... You know, it was just five years ago. I think I wrote a column say like declaring the Rutgers Seton Hall rivalry dead because uh-huh. it was an early December game and the rack was just. I mean, there's no juice at all in that building. So you got to give Steve Peichel credit for you know getting the fans to buy in even before they see results. It's the exact opposite that's happened with football. You know, the fans have abandoned ship. They have, they they're not they're not going to wait for it to happen. So you got to give him credit for you know really you know getting that juice back into that building hey we want to turn our attention to uh, my alma mater uh, seton hall university uh boy I, I i i was disappointed with the loss last night i understand it's on the road but the turnovers were really the thing that killed them uh the most against providence uh, what have you taken out of uh, this season are are they now hitting are they regressing to the mean a little bit they've lost a few games lately or are they uh, a team that you know, is is exactly who they are. Uh, they'll be led by Miles Powell, and they're going to be better than people thought coming into the season. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think that's probably a good way of putting it, regressing to the mean a bit. I saw that game. They had a chance to get, you know, to get ranked uh, there before they went to DePaul. And I just looked at the schedule. I'm like, that's going to be a tough one to win. Just a place they've struggled to play in the past. And sure enough, oh, and they you lost talked, that game. You talked about the you know, atmosphere a few years ago at the Rack. That place where DePaul plays, oh my goodness, I've been at right. I've been at more exciting Irish wakes. Yeah, exactly. It's a tough place to come out of Holy when, you know, the atmosphere and the excitement. Suddenly you're there, you're like, oh boy. Um, so I thought that would be a tough one to win. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do. I still think they're having a great season. I and mean, you know, they're three and three in the Big Big East now. They've got a great, not a good, like a great non-conference resume for the tournament. If they can go ten and eight in the Big East, a record like that, I don't think there's any reason why they, you know, they won't be back to the NCAA tournament. Which, given what they lost, is pretty incredible. You know, I mean, they lost four, you know, cornerstone program guys, and to bounce back and uh, make the NCAA tournament, you figured this would be a tough year for that to happen, and they're on track to do it. So that's that's still that's still, you know, the last couple of losses aside, it's still a great season. And given that, Steve, and uh, you know they. Look, you figure they take a huge step back, and you knew Miles Powell would be good, but then all these other guys stepped up. Are you surprised at how good they've been so far? A little bit, yeah. I don't think I, you know, I don't didn't certainly didn't see that the level of win coming like they had against Kentucky. Uh, you know, they've just they've won close games, which is a sign of a, of a good team. I think Powell, you know, they've done a great job developing that kid. You know, he, uh, you know, he, he's just he's just seemed like he's he's taking it all on himself, and he's he's playing on a different level. Uh, and they have an identity under Kevin Willard, which you have to give uh, him credit for too. I mean. You know, before those last couple of losses, you can make a case that he was among the candidates for coach of the year, certainly. So, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't think, you know, I, I think that this is this is a bump in the road. Uh, this team was not going to I mean, was not going to steamroll through the Big East. It wasn't that level of talent. Uh, I think I think they'll get it back together, though. But still a tournament before, team, uh, in your opinion. Tournament sorry, team. You think they're a tournament team for sure? I do. Yes, mm-hmm. I do. I looked. I looked at the schedule. In fact, this morning, you know, I I, I just feel like ten and eight in the Big East mm-hmm. when you have that kind of level of non-conference wins that they have that resume when you play teams and, and you have you have signature wins like against Kentucky, you're going to get in. And I think I think they'll do that. Seton Hall uh, certainly uh, has come back to a, a level of prominence. Yeah, I mean, they're they're. You know, Kevin Willer has done a nice job there. I think there are some fans and some alums who are upset that they're not better, that they finally last year got to that second game, but they haven't gotten to the second weekend of the tournament. And I think people forget, you know, it's amazing, the short memories. Like, what he inherited was a mess. And that gets me to a general question about sports, college or, or otherwise. What has happened with to patience? <laughs> now you could say George Steinbrenner had no patience, right? I mean that's true. Lou Lamorello would fire coaches who had great years, you know, three games from the end of the regular season. So what is patience? How do you define that? But this, this, I, I think people forget how bad situations are. They don't understand, and I see it with Rutgers in football, a little bit in basketball, and people forget about Seton Hall. What, what is what has happened to some understanding that it's okay? You you get a little time here, and it seems to have disappeared. Right. Yeah, and I and I think also not just patience with Seton Hall fans. In a lot of ways, it's just outsized expectations. I mean, what True. you know, what PJ Carlismo did that really was a, you know, 
the exception, not the norm for that program. It's a tough place to win. It's a tough, tough campus to get kids to go to. Uh, you know, I mean, it's really, it's not, he's not recruiting to Villanova, you know, it's just a completely different thing. So the fact that they have a big East tour championship against Villanova, that they've made some tournaments, you know, I think the one thing, if you're a Seton Hall fan, you can say, you know, that team did underachieve a bit when it, when it came time in March, uh, they got a couple bad draws. It's you know yeah. in the NCAA tournament you, when you have to play Gonzaga one year that was far horribly underseeded. It's it's tough, right? Uh, you know, but I was I was there when they played uh, Arkansas in the NCAA's, and that was a game they could have won, probably should have won. That would have given them a shot. You know, a shot against the number one seed North Carolina. So, it, I mean, yeah, I, I think that I'm sure there's some frustration that they haven't done more with it, but. The fact that he's turned that into a, a, a team that's, you know, in the conversation for the NCAA tournament for straight years, probably going to make it for straight years, is impressive. Yeah. You know, one of the great regrets I have in my life, and it was 30 years ago, that visit to the NCAA Final Four and the NCAA Championship game. Hard to believe, but it was 30 years ago, 1989, yeah. wow. um, that I didn't go. I had a work commitment, and I, st- and, and I knew in my heart of hearts that then, even then, I knew, as optimistic as I was, Seton Hall may, is never going to get there again. It, it would just take a confluence of events that I don't right. see ever happening, uh, even though you n- never say never in, in sports. I, I just don't see Seton Hall ever going to a national championship game. And I watched and had my heart broken, but I should have been there in Seattle. Regrets. Yes, Regrets. I've had a few, but then again, go, too few to mention. <laughs> Let it go. Exactly. Yeah, I know. Let it go. It's hung on for 30 years. Dang it. Let's go. Well, Steve, let's let's turn to football, the NFL specifically. The Jets announced their new head coach, Adam Gaze. Uh, a lot made on his uh, his uh, press conference with the crazy eyes and all that. What'd you make of that? Oh boy! Uh, I mean, I'd never seen anything like it. Though. It was crazy. I, I, I mean, really, I was we were just this is really happening. Kind of, I mean, <laughs> as it was happening live, and you know. Uh, because I remember what happened when McAdoo walked out with the big suit. Remember that? It was like it became like a viral <laughs> thing on Twitter immediately because he had this oversized suit he was wearing. You know, I knew that as soon as uh, this is going to be the only takeaway anyone's going to have from this press conference. Uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, that that was a rough uh, that was a rough look. I will say, you know, as uncomfortable as he looked behind the dais. When talking to him on the side, he, he, you know, when there's just a smaller group of reporters around him, he certainly was much more, you know, he was he, he was a normal person. He was that was, Jets fans, you think they're getting a psycho, you know, he, he really, he just, you know, he just didn't present himself well at that moment, which is too bad because I think yeah. there's so much, um, you know, uncertainty about the hire among sure. Jets fans. This is the rare instance where, you know, you, you would have wanted, you, you would have wanted the guy to quote unquote win the press conference and he didn't. So uh, is that going to make it harder on him? I, I don't know if it matters. But certainly, if you know if he had gotten in there and, and owned it, maybe some Jets fans who were still screaming for Mike McCarthy might back down a little bit. Well, you know, I was puzzled by the move too. I thought they needed that cachet. I thought Mike McCarthy would have given him that. And you know, I understand. Look, they brought him in to develop Sam Darnold, and that's what he does. But there's so much more that goes into coaching a team. I mean, he was 23 and 25 in Miami, right? So in, in the same division. So it's got to puzzle you a little bit. Were you surprised at the move? Uh, you know, I I wasn't only because of, you know, the candidates out there. And I don't, from what I understand, they weren't blown away by McCarthy, who, you know, had a rocky end in Green Bay. Let's face it, you know, he's not, he's not a guy who, uh, you know, was exactly 
well loved on the way out of town there. So, uh, you know, looking at the other candidates, you know, it's funny that it seems like it's almost like our presidential politics. We, you know, we want someone with no experience, like no experience at all. The NFL coaches they're hiring now, like the the quarterbacks coach of the Rams, you know, they're Cliff Kingsbury, who's a bad college coach. I mean, they're just, you know, they're just pulling guys out of nowhere in a way. So, you know, in some sense, you should look at the three years in Miami as a positive. So he did. He did at least coach as was an NFL head coach. So we got that, to, you know, to, to go back on. Um, you know, I, I do think that he, he has experience with offenses. Uh, you know, he, he's Peyton Manning. You know, absolutely loves the guy. So you got to got to give him some credit for for those things. Whether or not he'll be a success, well, it's the Jets. So usually betting against that is the right thing to do. <laughs> Uh, I have a friend of mine. Uh, he's the producer of the Devils broadcasts on MSG. Uh, we call him the big dog affectionately because he's like 6'5 and just kind of dominates. But at any rate, he's a huge Miami Dolphins fan. He thought it actually was a good hire, you know, in an odd way because he wasn't happy with his team's relative lack of success under Gase. But he thought that uh, with a better quarterback, and he's not a fan, my friend, of Ryan Tannehill, uh, a better quarterback to work with that the Jets got a good guy. And this is this is a guy who watches every news conference. He reads every report. I mean, he is online all the time following his Dolphins and watches every game. So he thought it was a good hire. I'll take him at his word. Here's the thing. I want to go back to the introductory press conference. And, and the same thing, as you refer to, with McAdoo. I... I he now is a little bit behind the eight ball, right? He wasn't the most popular hire, right? Jets fans are like, no, we should have gotten a lot of them. Anyway, McCarthy, I, I think that it's impossible to make a, a – you don't get a second chance to make a, a good first impression, as they say. And, and that's a problem because this is going to be brought up constantly in the media. He, he is going to have to make – every step perfect the rest of the way. And maybe he did in those private conversations, those one-on-ones which he had, because I did agree that listening to him afterward, he was much better. But in this day and age, that that has become almost important. Like the Jets fans are always expe- already expecting failure. Joe Benigno wants this guy in a weird way to fail so that he's right. It's the craziest right. thing that's happened in this world. Uh, I, but but I, I love him. Before one, everyone will love well, him. Exa- well, that's true. I mean, it, it is right. the highs and lows happen in a much closer time frame anymore, right? right? Love you, hate you, yeah. get out of here, no come back. Uh, but I, I shouldn't use this comparison, but everybody goes, oh, you had no success in Miami. And Bill Belichick had he got the Browns to the playoffs once, so there was some success there in Cleveland. But you look at his overall record there; it wasn't great. And now, you know, he he is the Mount Rushmore of coaching. Right, so right. let's see, let's see what happens with Gase. But here's the thing: you got to get better players. Yeah. So get yeah, a receiver to throw the ball right. to. Sam Darnold can't throw to the same collection he had last year. Right, they need they need a big they need a big receiver. They need a pass rusher. They need to upgrade the offensive line. I mean, you know, the fact they do have some they have a few good pieces and a hundred million dollars in cap space is great, but you got to use it right. You know, they've got, they've got to get it. They've got to get another stud, another key contributor with the third overall pick. They've got to draft better for depth, which is something McCagnan has completely failed on. Uh, and they got to spend that money well. You know, I mean, I you know, is that Le'Veon Bell? I don't know. Is that is there a receiver out there who who be a different? maker uh can the engineer move to get one you know there's a lot of yeah there's a lot of this team cannot come back next year 
uh, with this same the flawed roster. They've got to find a way to give Darnold some weapons and improve the defense. Defense was terrible last year, too. So, there's, yeah, there's a lot of work for the GM to do before we're even talking about whether the head coach can su- succeed. And I think they have kept in place, though, a flawed structure in that both McCagnin and Gase now report to the owner. You cannot have that. I'm sorry. Uh, whether McCagnin is the guy long-term, who knows? You know, he, he did draft Arnold, but he's made mistakes, as you've referenced, and now the pressure's on him. But, uh, like, everything starts from ownership, I think, and, and that's a bad structure. You can't have two guys reporting to the GM. Uh, I mean, to the, to the owner. You just can't. Yeah, I mean, I, I that is, I, I, I agree with you. I don't understand why they're doing it that way. Um, it's just, it's very. The Jets are kind of a strange organization, and the situation now with obviously Christopher Johnson, who's in charge of the team while his brother's gone. You also wonder how long what is, is that going to be? You know, how long is that going to stay? You know, that's another issue. Um, but for me, it just it comes down to you know, is this guy going to be able to upgrade the talent in, in this off season? Because I don't think this is a situation where, you know, this head coach is going to be able to come in and go four and 12 next year. You know, they're really, this team has to be better because McCagan, you know, will be on a short leash. So yeah. this, you know, I, this is an interesting, this is an interesting situation where you've got a first year head coach with a four and 12 team that's going to have expectations to do much better next year. And you wonder how much uh, Sam Darnold was involved with this because apparently he's thrilled that Adam Gaze is coming in. So maybe yeah, him and yeah. his people, do you think they had a lot to do with this hire? I, I don't know if he had any, and he's 21 years old. So yeah. I, I know he talked, he definitely talked to a couple of the candidates. So, you know, there's that. I, I, what can a, you know, a guy get through the 10-minute conversation over the phone with, mm-hmm. a, with a head coach? I don't know. I don't know how much input he had. But, yeah, I mean, he seemed generally excited with the, with the choice, and, you know, rightfully so. He, he, he's got now he's got a guy who Peyton Manning says was the smartest guy I've ever worked with. So mm-hmm. if you're Sam Darnold, you, sh- you certainly should be open-minded right. about it. And, sure. uh, you know, and then the other part of it, too, you know, the one thing that, that, that Gay said that was correct was the fact that he, you know, he, he wanted to come here because of Sam Darnold. He's never had a young quarterback to work with. So, you know, it's, it's right now it's a very happy mar- marriage between those two. Elites. Well, that's the one positive thing, a very happy, their star quarterback is happy, and that's certainly a positive in all this right yep right uh and the other thing it's done right at least temporarily it's it's thrown some cover on the giants right they they've kind of just receded just a little bit and understandably so the new head coach coming in for the jets and we could spend a half hour on what the giants are going to do moving forward because uh you know i i i liked a lot of what Shermer was able to do at the end he got off to a bit of a rocky start with the media and everything but i think uh he found his footing and now let's just see what they do at the qb spot Right. Well, that's the key question there. You know, they'll have the number six pick, and you know, I don't know that they're going to be able to get. You know, now, well, now that Murray's out, maybe they'll have a, a, a more than one option there at the first round. But it's going to be fascinating because I, I do think they still have to, you know, find Eli Manning's replacement. I mean, it, you know, it, fans fans are kind of convinced that that Eli, that Manning could take this team to the playoffs if he had the right pieces around them. You know, I guess so, but he's not. He's just not a high level quarterback anymore, and. You know, he had the, he had a, the best young running back in the league, you know, mm-hmm. the Beckham for most of last season, and this team still in five and eleven. So, yeah. you know, it'll be fascinating to see if you know the Giants have reached that conclusion themselves, or if they're going to you know head into a training camp with him back. That's going to be the I think the the biggest off season question for any of the football teams here by far. Well, Steve, always a pleasure having you on the show. I know you got a meeting to get to, so we'll, we're going to let you go. But uh, thanks again, and we hope to have you back uh, soon. 
Anytime, guys. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. All right, Steve. Thanks, man. Thanks. And that was Steve Politti from NJ Advanced Media. And you tell me he's a hockey guy, too, man, huh? Yeah, he's got a hockey background. There aren't that many general columnists, general sports columnists in America who have a hockey history. But, you know, Steve does. Uh, Part of his resume includes a stop in Greensboro. And he was there covering hockey when the Carolina Hurricanes came from Hartford. And relocated okay. there. But I think he's got a, a hockey background beyond that, which is cool. Well, we got to get some local hockey talk in there next time he comes on. You know me. I'm, I'm all over him on Rutgers, man. That's the you know, that's the first thing out of my mouth, as you know. And, of course, we want to Seton Hall. But, I mean, he covers it all. So it's a, it's a fantastic guest for us, for sure. Yeah, and, terrific writer. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So that'll do it for this week on uh, moresportsnow.com. This is our podcast. Check out the site, moresportsnow.com. And follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, on Instagram as well. And uh, we will be back next week with plenty more sports talk. Bye-bye.